Hey, hey, glad you made it. I know at times that we question what the all-powerful God is doing or allowing. But if you were writing the story, what would you do or allow to convey your love better than what he has done? Now, I realize at times we would like to change some of the details of the narrative along the way, but doesn't our inability to see everything past, present, and future bring a, a big hamper on insight? I mean, think about it. If eternity has been placed in my heart, if eternity has, has been placed within my thoughts, my dreams, I think about it. I wonder what's going to happen after this life. If eternity is there and I choose to disregard those thoughts and focus only on this temporary physical existence, won't that limit my vision? Truthfully, we understand very little of this all-knowing, ever-present, supreme being. But because he is all-powerful, we can understand that he needs nothing, right? I mean, all-powerful and self-sufficient, those are mutually compatible, aren't they? You can't really have one without the other. Because he is all-powerful, he has no unmet need. So if this God, who doesn't need anything, says something like this, look at this passage. He chose us to adoption by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. <laughs> Does that truth speak of need? Why no? It it's very clear he adopted us because it was his pleasure. Unfortunately, we do live in a world filled with unwanted pregnancies, but there's no such thing as an unwanted adoption. To adopt a child is to choose a child, to desire a child. You weren't adopted by God because he needed you. You were, you were adopted by God because he wanted you. It wasn't an accident. It was a plan. Think about this truth in light of this all-knowing God. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Now, is, is that unconditional love generated from a need? No, that kind of love freely given to us, that comes from desire, not need. What about this truth? This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. God doesn't need us to be saved, but he most assuredly wants us to be saved. It's his pleasure. There may be no better description of God's love for us than replacing his name 
when the word love is used in the great love chapter of the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13. Look, Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. He does not envy. He does not boast. He is not proud. He does not dishonor others. He is not self-seeking. He is not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. Jesus does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. He always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Jesus never fails. The love that Jesus has for us is not born out of need. It comes from desire. One more stunning truth. Look at this one. The Lord your God is with you. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's some imagery right there, isn't it? Taking delight and singing over someone with joy doesn't speak of need. It speaks of love. It speaks of desire. Would growing in our knowledge and experience of God's love and desire for us have a changing effect? Definitely. Do you know that your very existence makes God smile? Do you know that your past and present choices have never influenced how God regards you? Do you know God's love for you has never wavered? Never. John Piper has written something that we all should read. Look at this. We must banish from our minds forever any thought that God admits us begrudgingly into his kingdom, as though Christ found a loophole in the law, did some fancy plea bargaining, and squeaked us by the judge. No way. God himself, the judge, put Christ forward as our substitutionary sacrifice. And when we trust him, God welcomes us with bells on. He puts a ring on our finger, kills the fattened calf, throws a party, shouts a shout that shakes the ends of creation, and leads in the festal dance. Y'all, what he is describing there is what Jesus described when he was trying to get us to see what God is like. The issue is not whether or not the Almighty God desires us, the issue is whether or not we believe it. I mean, seriously, what more could he have done? Jesus destroyed the separation caused by sin. Anything we experience on earth won't last. And Jesus is preparing a place for us that will last. What more could he have done? I'm not trying to dismiss or belittle difficulties that any of us may go through. But isn't that the point? Those difficulties are something we are going through. We're not stopping in and being stuck. We're, we're going through them. They won't last. They're temporary. And what is coming? What is coming is an existence with a being too marvelous for description. What is coming is someone whose goodness is beyond understanding. What is coming is a person who, against all odds and without any needs, wants and desires us more than anything else 
in all of the universe. <laughs> he has everything he needs, but he wants you.